Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the UConn Football Podcast. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm joined by Luke Swanson and Tucker Warner. We hope you've enjoyed the initial run of our little football, UConn football project here. We've got a newsletter that came out, hopefully, that you had a chance to see about the schedule, but we'll go into a deeper conversation about that here today. We'll also talk about conference realignment. Um, But first, UConn football's 2022 schedule. I know a lot is happening in the world of college football right now. Some really, really crazy stuff. Um, But there is a 2022 season to play no matter what. And that's what we're here to talk about right now. Um, as As we've discussed in the past, UConn football is an independent, which means they have to schedule all 12 of their games or all of their games every year. Um, individually, there's no conference slate that comes through and takes 75% of that work away from them, which, which is a significant lift for David Benedict and his staff. But um, looking at this year's schedule, um, you know, I, I see a number of interesting games. I see some interesting potential road trips. I see um a good a good run of teams that are that are on UConn's level. Tucker, how, how do you feel about the 2022 schedule for UConn football? Uh, first of all, Aman, I think it's very funny that you opened with uh, no matter what, UConn has a football season to play, given that, yeah, that hasn't always been the case. But um, overall, this, I this am looking time, at... though, this time. <laughs> well, never say never. Uh, looking over the schedule as a whole, um, you know, I'm kind of happy with how it turned out. As a fan, there's a lot of teams I hate on here, and I really don't want to see win. I would love to see UConn actually, you know, kick their butts for a change. Uh, it's unlikely to happen. That's uh, not a thing that UConn football has uh, been doing recently. But nonetheless, I love seeing some rivals on our schedules, uh, some big-time programs. Um, well, really just the one big-time program. No offense, NC State. Um, but even then, you know, some of these mid-level teams are going to be pretty strong this year. I think we got um, – NC State and Boston College at the right time with their programs seem to be, you know, like headed for a really strong season. Uh, Michigan's obviously one of the premier programs in the entire country. Uh, we've got Syracuse. And of course, we've got the legendary UMass. So we can finally get that uh, FBS win at home. Uh, I'm looking forward to this season. I think we've got a great slate of opponents uh, for where we are right now. And honestly, there's just a lot of games that excite me. Luke, how about you? We know that Tucker is going to have that Syracuse game circled on his calendar. In fact, we know he he desperately wishes it was back it was back at Syracuse so he could go visit his uh, favorite city in the world. Oh yeah, he's a big big time Syracuse fan here. <laughs> but yeah, I echo everything that uh, everything that Tucker and Amon said. Um, some really big names on this uh, schedule. Uh, we're catching a lot of. Good programs at home, uh, programs peaking at the right time. Boston College, uh, Jeff Halfley, 
uh, sort of sort of has a humming over there. Um, and uh, uh, Fresno State is probably one of the one of the best uh, programs that UConn will welcome to uh, Rentor Field in, in a little while. One of the better G5 programs, I think, since uh, the UCF a couple of years ago that uh, uh, that played at Rentor Field. But there's some good uh, good games on there. Uh, more things we'll go into later. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's absolutely tons of teams that make regional sense, as you guys mentioned, rivals, Syracuse, Boston College, UMass, Army, right? All teams that that realistically you want on the schedule every single year, if possible, even even little old UMass. Um, you know, we we also can be a little bit honest here. There are some very random teams on this on this schedule as well. Um, you've got the Ball State Cardinals, who um, I'm going to venture to guess UConn has never played before. Uh, uh, I should have done a little bit more research on that. But I can find that out while you rant. Go ahead, Amon. Yeah, thank you. Um, you've got uh, FIU, who, who is also in their first year under a new head coach and also went 1-11 and 11 last year. So, hey, good, good ad for the schedule. That's, that's what you need. And then, you know, I, I also have to say you've got some interesting road trips. If you're just, you know, a general college football fan, you've got, you've got the big house, a place that UConn has visited in the past, um, and a team that UConn has at home given some trouble to in the past. Shout out to um, a loss that was probably the high point of the Paul Pascaloni era. Um, NC State, as as we mentioned, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot a lot to be excited about here. Army's a really exciting road trip. Um, everyone says West Point is an incredible place to visit. All the pictures make it seem uh, really amazing. Um, so uh, a, a good good set of potential opportunities to make a road trip. You guys uh, going to go to any of these roadies? I know it's been tough for UConn games in the past mostly because we're just so terrible and you don't want to travel five hours to feel the feeling of UConn football, but um, there might be some road games worth visiting this year, guys. Huh? I'll definitely be going to the uh, West Point game. I, again, if I can get credentialed, I was, I went last year as a member of the media and it was, it was a fantastic trip, really definitely worth the trip uh, as a fan for sure. It's a. It really is a spectacle, even against uh, against sort of it's one of the one of the worst teams on Army's schedule. So it's a beautiful campus. There's some really cool traditions that happen before the game, during the game, and uh, Mikey Stadium, not Michie Stadium, uh, as I found out uh, a little while ago, or I guess a couple years ago. Uh, Mikey Stadium is a beautiful stadium, and it's just a, a great place to great place to attend a game. So that's one I will be going to. I was at that game last year, also uh, at Army. Uh, it was a very fun game. Uh, we lost badly, but nonetheless, really enjoyable experience. Uh, sat next to Jim Calhoun in the bleachers uh, unexpectedly, which was very cool. Uh, he was there for the first half. Um, I'm also going to be venturing out to Ann Arbor uh, for that Michigan game. Uh, I try to make all the big road trips. Uh, unfortunately. UConn football has not really had too many of those uh, in recent memory. Uh, you know, far be it from me to not want to go visit Tulsa, but uh, hey, it's hey. Tulsa. Uh, I dare you? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize to our former American Athletic Conference brethren. Uh, most of you did nothing wrong. Uh, also, I should clarify at this point, too, that I did look this up. UConn has played Ball State three times uh, from 2000 to 2002. Um, so all in those very early independent days of uh, UConn in FBS. Um, we have lost all three games. One was a 29-point blowout. One was a three-point loss. And the other one, the first one that was hosted by the Yukon Huskies, finished with the excellent score of 10 to 5. Oh, yikes. We might have to do an entire deep dive on the 10 to 5 game. But, um, wow, so big, big revenge opportunity in this visit to Muncie, Indiana. Who knew? Um, uh, some, something on the, on the table here. Some real stakes to this Ball State game. Uh, the opportunity for Yukon to get its first win in four tries against the ball state cardinals for the two uh two or three indiana fans that uh in our corner of the internet the head coach of those uh three ball state games was bill lynch bill lynch uh, of course renowned for going one and seven in his final three years as indiana head coach from 2008 uh 2009 and 2010 one and seven each of those three years so and left very, right very before impressive component for uh for uconn to have lost to yeah, that was right before they became team chaos too. So Bill Lynch, just not, not really in the vein of chaos, more just like, yeah, here are my results. Here you go. I will beat UConn. That's good stuff. The, um, you know, I was actually, I, I had a feeling, so I just looked it up uh, while we were chatting. Utah state is actually like a very picturesque, um, like mountain set stadium or something like that. It's uh, it's in, it's like always in those um, like, you know montages or like viral twitter viral tweets of like great stadium uh scenes they have a really great one i would not you know recommend to a yukon fan to go uh you know trek out to to logan utah on this particular weekend in august to go watch this football game but um you know it's it's definitely a cool venue and then here's what else i'll say I, i'm um I'm a man of leisure. Uh, you know, this, this October 8th trip to Miami uh, is interesting to me, you know, go, go spend a weekend in Miami. Um, you, you get the chance to watch a potential UConn football victory. Those are a very rare sight. Um, and you might even get a, you know, a road victory an even rarer sight. So, um, and, and Hey, Miami in October, right before things get really crazy uh, up, up North. So that's that's an interesting trip to potentially make too. You know, find a good flight, go go to Miami. There's there's some good trips here. Good trips here potentially. Raleigh is a nice city. We've got NC State on the schedule. And shout out to Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, not exactly Miami, no, but it's a nice city. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have nothing against Raleigh, and that can be a cool game. You know, I, I think NC State. You know. As as we've discussed, or as we've discussed in the uh, schedule preview, it's they've been knocking on the door. It's just hasn't hasn't happened for them. But the one the unique thing about NC good. the one unique thing about NC State is they're one of the few FBS programs where their uh, football stadium is sort of off campus, so it's not quite as far like across town uh, across town air quotes as rental field is to stores, but it's still, it's still a pretty, a pretty decent ways. I think it's 
I think it's like 20 or 20 or 25 minutes away from their actual campus. So UConn and NC State, NC State they do have that in common. Basically right next to the hockey arena uh, downtown. I've been I've there. I've been there. It's actually, pretty, it's actually a nice area. I think it, it might have even been the last time that UConn visited NC State that I was there. I'll have to look that up. But uh, game in 2003 uh, when Phillip Rivers was starting for the Wolfpack. Uh, it was a fun time. Uh, UConn did not win, but they were much more competitive at the time. And to be honest with you, Philip Rivers did not look great. So well, there was reason for optimism. Hey, man, you're not going to do great against the vaunted UConn defense of, of yesteryear. So that, that makes total sense that they shut down Philip Rivers. All right. So um, we, we talked through some of our highlights for the schedule um, I want to go through the exercise now of um, let's let's do our probability ranking of the most likely wins on this schedule. Um, FBS edition. So we'll take Central <laughs> Connecticut out of there. Um, that uh, home opener on Labor Day weekend. Um, I, I hope everybody has a great time at the rent and uh, nobody is terrified about the future of the program afterwards. And if that happens, um, then Jim Mora's tenure will already have gotten off uh, to a better start than his predecessor. So uh, that'll be good. But let's, let's get your guys' take on, um, you know, from the FBS portion of this slate, uh, the most number one, two, three, and dare I say even fourth, most winnable games on this schedule for UConn? Well, you won't four. be getting four out of me totally, <laughs> but nah, I'll, I'll, I'll rank it. I'll do the exercise. So obviously we're not counting uh, central, but that's asked to be number one <laughs> on the list. Um, UMass, it, they've kind of been mirroring UConn in their uh, struggle seasons. These past couple of years, just uh, really just down, down in the dirt, down in the dregs. So I think that uh, really is a new era. Then uh, UConn have little trouble dispatching them, especially at home. Given uh, given how how uh, close and competitive the game was last year, if uh, if we want to take the next step, uh, beating them would be would be a good a, a good thing. After that, I think uh, Florida. Uh, Ford International. I think they're uh, definitely next up on the list. They're uh, they're sort of going through a, a transition period under uh, new head coach Mike McIntyre. What a name! What a name! Unbelievable! It really, it truly is unbelievable. <laughs> they they did the they they did the thing that. Kind of the thing that UConn did, where it's, where it's like, let's get a name. But yeah. instead of a name being uh, someone who's uh, more or less somewhat proven at a at a power level, they went for Mike McIntyre. He had one winning season in six years at Colorado. Hire that man. <laughs> it, it feels like FIU has only ever had names as head coaches. There's... Five head coaches uh, in FBS history are former NFL longtime QB Don Strock, then Mario Cristobal, then Ron Turner, formerly of Illinois, Butch Davis, 
And now Mike McIntyre, he of the 10 win Colorado team in 2016. That is one of my all time favorite college football teams. Great team. Oh, great team as well. Um, McIntyre's story was also used as a reasoning for UConn to keep Bob Diaco uh, <laughs> during that time. Uh, so, so I know his, his story well, and um, you know, yeah, no, nothing wrong with that team. No, no shade at all at that, that 10 win Colorado team, but it was literally his only winning season. That team <laughs> struggled mightily there. And um, uh, you know, the rest of his story too. He's like a coach's son. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like, uh, I got bad vibes from him. So I, I hope UConn gets that, gets that win. Um, and I totally agree that they are the second it's, it's UMass FIU. It, it gets interesting after that. So let's, let's hear it. The, the odd thing about the FIA head coaching job is they had a very capable uh, candidate in Frank Ponce. I, I was trying, I was spent that last couple of minutes looking up uh, App State offensive coordinator. He's been banging down on, on their door to hire him for like five years. And they just uh, said, nope, we don't want you. We're going to go with Mike McIntyre. So I, it kind of shows you the, the, the decision-making at the athletic department there. But after, after Ford International, uh, we do have Ball State. They've kind of been in a, in a holding period for these past couple of years. They've shown a, a little promise, especially last year, but they're, still in that sort of lower tier of the Mac. Uh, it's unclear what they have to do to, to sort of get out of there. So I, I think just in terms of strength of opponent, regardless of, uh, of how well they play, how, how well each team's playing going in, I think that uh, Ball State's definitely the, definitely the, the go-to third option there just because, uh, just because of their talent level mainly. Tucker, how do you feel? Yeah, you know, I think there's a pretty clear hierarchy here. Um, you know, I think like best case scenario, there's like, I don't know, five of these teams that we could in theory beat. Uh, and hey, you know, that's pretty good. Um, obviously, the FBS uh, game that's most likely to be a UConn victory is that UMass home game uh, in November. Um UMass is basically the only FBS team that's been worse than UConn over these past three or four seasons. Um, if we can't beat them, that is basically like losing to Central Connecticut. That is, in fact, a problem. Uh, I think that they have really good chances of winning FIU and uh, Ball State, both on the road. Uh, I think those are two teams that have kind of been struggling lately. They don't really have a whole lot of talent. They're kind of in flux. Um, those are good shouts. Um and I think that there's two other games kind of going under the radar here, both at home that UConn could definitely win um, early in the season. That Syracuse game, I know I called it last week on the podcast, uh, but that is, in fact, a winnable game. Uh, Syracuse is only going to have one uh, game before that. It'll be against Louisville. And if they don't like what they see from Garrett Schrader, he could be on the hot seat to lose that starting quarterback job already. Um, he was not a guy who was terribly impressive last year. He was just the best of a few bad options they had at quarterback. Uh, he definitely needs to make some improvements in order to give Dino Babers the stability he needs, because if Babers does not get a winning season this year, he is probably going to get fired. Uh, and he will absolutely panic for a UConn game if it's not looking like what he wants to at halftime. Uh, the other game I think is winnable too is going to be right at the end of the year, uh, home against Liberty. Um, 
they had a lot of their flaws mask last season. Uh, as I mentioned in the newsletter, which I will plug right now, if you go to yukonhuskyfootball.substack.com, you can subscribe to all of these thoughts that we expand upon in a little more detail, get you some more fun stuff and more content. Uh, nonetheless, as I said there, um, Liberty had a lot of its flaws masked last year by Malik Willis playing at an NFL level caliber, uh, a weak schedule, and just generally stout, um, like like experienced units and just having a lot of depth there. They've lost a lot of guys. They've lost Malik Willis, and they don't have those standout units anymore. Uh, the defensive line will be pretty good. They brought in a couple transfers to get there. Uh, but UConn's linebackers are better than Liberty's. Uh, you know, depending on quarterback play, we have absolutely no idea what uh, – Liberty is going to get from its offense this year. We don't know how bad that back seven is going to be on defense. Uh, they could be in real trouble. Uh, if they get like one injury or two, their season could just get totally down the river. So I'd say that that's the least likely of these five matchups for UConn to win uh, Syracuse in fourth. Uh, I'll say ball state third, FIU second and UMass of course one. Uh, but there are five FBS games that UConn does have a snowball's chance in hell of winning. That is an improvement over previous seasons. It's part of the reason I like the schedule. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think five is, uh, you know, the Syracuse one is that probably that, that that special touch that only someone really, really, really uh, informed on the program can give us. <laughs> I don't know um, what you're talking about. But no, I mean, really, because I, I don't think I would have thought about Syracuse. I would have put Liberty ahead of them. Um, and you know, with respect to ball state, they had, a like a, what a six and seven team last year. Uh, they had a senior quarterback who was actually pretty decent. Um, and they, they had a handful of, of all Mac guys, um, as I discovered in the uh, preview, which I will plug right now, but, uh, ball state is losing a lot of people. All, I, I think all of the players who made an all Mac team last year for them are not on their 2022 roster. Um, so for however slightly better they were than UConn, they were around like 100th in the overall efficiency uh, compared to UConn's, you know, uh, modest uh, 121-ish uh, last year. Um, so uh, to whatever extent they were better than UConn last year, they've lost a lot of people. Um, they did extend their coach and they do seem to have like confidence in the direction that he's going. He's an alumnus of the program, but um, I definitely will give Ball State that third spot. And here's the other blast from the past about Ball State. Former UConn Associate Athletic Director, Beth Getz, is yeah. the athletic director at Ball State. Hmm. You may recall nice. <laughs> from that uh, moment where you read an article like two years ago that she left <laughs> for the job at Ball State. So a uh, nice little reunion there obviously we don't really none of us knows uh beth gets i don't think but we did see her at a lot of sporting events um she did seem to have a lot of uh david benedict's trust and then uh you know earned an ad job so really great great for her um and and i agree with liberty though i i do think liberty um especially late in the season who knows what's going to be going on with that team um they lost a lot of guys from last year's team too um I like those four. I, I still think, I still think Syracuse just has a big talent edge on UConn and it pains me to say that, but that has been really apparent throughout the last couple of matchups, even where, you know, like UConn is kind of fighting at the beginning 
to whatever extent that happened in, in like that first one uh, against Syracuse. Um, uh, they just, you know, being in the ACC has allowed them to recruit at a higher level. And I think over time that has really played out in a, to a point where that's a pretty significant advantage for them. Um, during the Big East years, players from the area picked, picked UConn over Syracuse, you know, when they had the option for both. Um, you know, I guess that was like 20 years ago now or whatever, but you know, there was a, there was a time where, where, uh, players were picking UConn over Syracuse or, um, uh, or Rutgers. And now that's, you know, or Pittsburgh and now that's not happening. And so, um, UConn's felt the sting of that Syracuse has had the benefits of that. And I, I think that is what will give them an edge, but Hey, I'm, I'm super excited for the dose of optimism you, you gave us Tucker. So thank you. Uh, I'm always here to let people know that Syracuse is bad. That may be my purpose in life. I've uh, adjusted to it. And I will, in fact, say right now that Syracuse, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Nice. I, you know, I think we can all agree that Syracuse is bad um, <laughs> and that we would like to see them lose as much as possible. So um, all very exciting stuff. We can only just hope that Syracuse uh, ends up, you know, with, with everything going on in the world of college sports right now, I, I hope, I kind of feel bad for Syracuse fans, you know, they, um, they spent the last like six or seven years going to a basketball tournament in Greenville, North Carolina or some shit. And, um, close enough. <laughs> they're, they're, they're basically like the same Greensboro, North Carolina. Greensboro. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Um, they're, you know, they're basically the same, the same level that they were at, at football before they left and uh, nobody in their current conference likes them or wants to be friends with them uh, so they dealt with that for eight years and everything's crumbling around them so um, you know I, I honestly do feel for the Syracuse fans um, for those of you who may be younger Syracuse once had a very very successful men's basketball program uh, they were among the uh, you know always in the national rankings they had relevant players getting drafted making all big east teams I know that's super hard to fathom right now uh but there was a time where syracuse was like a relevant basketball team and they just they haven't had that so um tell us papa tell us about the old times <laughs> listen we listen oh gary mcnamara you have no idea <laughs> he's now uh he's now a coach there so um yeah they make it easy i don't know jim Beheim. i we got, we can't even we we have to talk about Jim Beheim sometime later maybe in a different <laughs> a different setting but um, you know it it does bring up uh, it does bring up an interesting point here just the overall quality of the schedule was a question mark for UConn as it became an independent program um, lots of people had reason to look at the schedules of um, schools like New Mexico State and UMass and say this is going to be UConn's schedule. Um, it turns out that while some of those things are true, um, UConn does not have to go to as desperate lengths as New Mexico State and UMass do, I don't think. Um, there's scheduling arrangements with different schools based on the AAC, um, based on um, you know some relationships that I think David Benedict and other members of the athletic department have, um, and, and based on 
a pretty decent offer, right? Which you, which UConn football has, which is, hey, if you want a non-conference FBS opponent, that's not going to be very difficult. We're available. And that's a, that's actually a pretty good sell. It's a, it's a better sell than, you know, UCF and Fresno state who gets, you know, power conference teams turning them down. Cause there's no benefit. We offer a clear benefit. Uh, so, so I like what UConn's putting out in the market and clearly it's worked on the schedule because look uh, uh, again, I'll take any year with, and this is just two years into independence, Syracuse, Boston college, UMass army on the schedule instead of the AAC slate, you take that every single time. So um, I think that's a, the, uh, something that's really important to highlight about the schedule that um, it really is meant to attract UConn fans as much as possible and gives the program as much flexibility to do that as possible within the confines of its, of its situation. Yeah. You know, I, Really couldn't have said it any better myself, to be honest with you. I, um, I I think that like what we are getting with independence right now in terms of the scheduling we've provided is a lot more flexibility than you would have in a conference. And I think we've proven so far that none of the conferences as set up right now really benefit UConn football's situation as a whole. Uh, there are definitely perks to being in a conference, um, no matter which one you pick. Although, as we saw, there were a lot fewer perks to being in the American. Um, but nonetheless, I think that like, Staying independent allows us to be more flexible with our schedule uh, to fit the needs that we have coming up. Um, we are going to get continually, uh, you know, power programs to play against. I mean, we've got Tennessee, Ohio State on the schedule in future years, Ole Miss, a home and home. Uh, like Ole Miss should not be traveling to East Hartford. Uh, and that's a pretty big get. Um, and so I think just being able to be independent right now, while none of these things really fit uh, what UConn football wants to do at the moment is allowing so much more, uh, like so many more opportunities than we would get, like if we were stuck in a conference that isn't really great. And one of the other things that is a big perk of that is that I'm pretty sure we're going to see a few more teams go independent here in the next few years as they decide that, okay, well, we can't get into one of the new power two, the Big Ten and the SEC. And they're going to say, you know what? maybe we should go independent too if, you know, nothing else is looking right for us. So we'll see what happens. I don't pretend to know the future. I certainly did not see USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten of all places. Uh, they should not be in the same conference as Rutgers. That is an absurd thing to happen. Nonetheless, it's a thing that happened. I didn't predict it. I'm not going to say I know what the future holds, but I think UConn is making the smart decision uh, by going independent. And I think that was the smart decision four years ago when they announced it, and it still is. So, yeah, I mean, I think the other thing um, to just think about here with respect to, as, as Tucker alluded to, some of the movement going on right now um, within college football, it does make things interesting for two reasons. Um, there could be more independent football programs. Um, there could also be an intermediary period where there are fewer non-conference games of non-conference schedule openings for an independent football program to fill, if that makes sense. Um, so that does hurt UConn a little bit. That's something to think about as 2025 and 2026 hit, as um, Sean McGrath detailed beautifully in an article on the UConnblog.com. Good plug. Um, 
there's there really is something to think about there. Um, it do, that does change the equation a little bit. Maybe if some of these peers um, do end up going independent, uh, that will be interesting. We we have no idea what that level below the big two is going to look like, but um, I guess we may as well address uh, some things we saw recently, which was that four schools might be leaving the ACC, uh, creating four openings in a conference that UConn has absolutely already done preliminary conversations with over the last 10 years in the ACC. Um, so I guess uh, I actually am starting to think the math on kind of like the, the, the projected term of UConn's independence is maybe a little bit shorter than we thought even just given what's happening. But Luke, how do you feel about some of the, the way the chess pieces are moving and what it might mean for UConn uh, as an independent or, or maybe if there's a, do you feel there's urgency for UConn to think about making a move? You know, I think that an interesting thing has happened over the past, these past couple of weeks. And it's it sort of, eh, honestly, these past couple of years is that the honeymoon period of UConn uh, going to the uh, new Big East for basketball and uh, going independent for football has kind of masked some rhetoric from uh, the, the athletic department that maybe independence isn't a permanent situation. And this week certainly is not the first time that we've, uh, we've heard something like that out of them. Uh, it, it's just kind of been an ongoing theme. Like UConn is sort of just independent for now. And we could see that the schedules are really only fully complete through 2026 so when you start to get to 2027 2028 there's some big games in the schedule and then after that it's really really not a whole lot so i think that it always has been the plan uh, uh people just sort of got wrapped up in the in the newness of it all but this is something that isn't just it's not something that was brought about by uh the events of earlier uh earlier last week uh, usc and ucla uh, making the move from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. I think that this is something that's been going on for a little while. And I'd wager it was always the plan from the beginning with uh, football independence in it. So I think that things are accelerating this week, but it's nothing new. And it certainly does present UConn with potentially uh, uh, some more opportunities, depending on the timing of it all. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how, how it plays out. Tucker, UConn to the ACC, could it be? Uh, <laughs> um, in short, uh, I don't think so. Uh, and like, I, I wouldn't say that like, I, I think by the time that like UConn would be able to play in the ACC, uh, probably again, no, like no shorter than four years from now, the ACC is going to look so different that I'm not sure it would even benefit UConn to join it. Um, I think that like, you, you know, there are, I, I can't even say that these are rumors. It's just people talking about this as something they might like, uh, a potential merger between the Big East and the ACC slash whatever is left of the ACC at that point, which is an intriguing idea um, and something that I think might be mutually beneficial to uh, everybody involved. Uh, at the same time, I think that, you know, it, when, when it comes to the ACC, it is only a matter of time before Clemson and Florida State leave for the SEC. Uh, that is going to happen at some point. Uh, the SEC wants them. Uh, they will want to leave. 
it makes sense for both of them. They're not long for the ACC at this point with how these conferences are going. Uh, And if you are an ACC football school and you see that Clemson and Florida State just got replaced by UConn, that is your signal that it is time to leave the (laughs) ACC. Um, So I don't really see UConn joining it in its current form. Um, I think that there are a lot of reasons why and why not, like it might make sense. There are some perks, there are some drawbacks, uh, but ultimately I don't really see this as that likely an option, at least not without some other significant movement that points us in the right place. So so I'm going to push back a little bit because I I think, um, you know, we're saying, okay, take the ACC, remove those, those top tier football teams, add in, um, you know, UConn or, or, and, or whoever, um, uh, it kind of looks like the old big East. And, and I think that that may benefit UConn. And if it's, if it's more money, um, that's kind of what it's all about, right. Is like, what, what ends up being the breakdown financially once, once these big two split and, and what happens to those, those schools that are left out of it? Are you creating another, level right like are you creating a a new uh one double a fcs uh you know tier in the in the system because if so that's kind of where uconn is heading um anyway and it's just then it's just kind of a matter of like (laughs) if syracuse is there or not (laughs) like yeah uh, yeah. I'm, i'm not i think that's a very interesting thing to think about like for this glut of schools that certainly has a lot to offer to think that like Cal and Stanford and Oregon might find themselves outside of some sort of athletics, um, you know, uh, free for all for, for rights and, and teams and their content and whatever. I, I find that all very hard to believe. So there, there is some value there. It's going to maybe, maybe it'll become more regional or, or, but something has to stay right. It can't just disappear. You know, I think it just depends. College sports are weird. And I think we all, you know, I don't think it's a surprise uh, to anyone uh, that like, you know, 10, 20 years from now or whatever it is that like where we're heading to is the majority of big time programs being in one of two conferences. Uh, Also, they might reach critical mass in the meantime. Uh, There's going to be a lot of complaining programs about the situation. And even those conferences could end up like not dissoluting, but separating themselves so much that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of ways that this could go. Basically. I, I don't think that they're like, we all know what the trend is, but what happens at the end of that trend is so up in the air right now. Um, that like, I, I don't think it benefits UConn to make like a major decision as a result of, you know, just the early days of this process. Um, there's a lot more we need to figure out before anything can happen. And obviously you don't want to like miss, you know, the train to paradise entirely by being too late. Uh, but, you know, if you don't know where any of the trains are going, you don't have to get on one just yet. Wait for the schedule to get back online. Uh, make it like, <laughs> again, I, I, I'm somewhat hesitant to join up with the ACC just because uh, living in ACC territory for the majority of my life, I uh, understand how, little uh, cohesion there is between the conference and how unhelpful it has been to some of its teams. Uh, And I don't want that for UConn. I think that right now, again, for the next few seasons, this is a decent spot. I think they kind of wait and see what happens. 
But who knows? This is a rapidly changing scenario. Anything could happen. My predictions are basically bunk. Um, you know, go for broke. Let's see what happens. Go ahead. And by, and by living in ACC territory, Tucker means that he lives right down the road from the Barclays Center. Uh, yeah, you know, in, uh, technically still living in ACC territory. Uh, we can talk more about my experiences at the ACC tournament in basketball at a later time. But uh, suffice to say, that is one of the reasons why I don't think that the ACC would be a great move for UConn. <laughs> The um oh I uh, I'm from upstate New York, which is also ACC country, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm from New England, which is also apparently ACC country oh, according to oh uh, my God. according to a certain uh, certain school up north. Everyone in New England that way. Everyone in New England just goes crazy for those Boston College Eagles. They can't get enough of them. That, that's what they say. Everybody's buying Flutie Flakes. They just can't get enough Flutie Flakes. As a Buffalo Bills fan, well, now we're now we're touching very important territory. I do own, <laughs> I did own some Flutie Flakes uh, back then. Should have kept them as a as a what a collector collector's item, but did not. I was like very young, unfortunately. But Doug Flutie, I do respect. I have to say, Doug Flutie is the only one of the few Boston College products I have no choice but to respect. We're gonna we're gonna cut that out, right? We can't. So. <laughs> um, I blacked out. What what just happened? What? Hey, what's up, Tucker? Luke? Good to see you guys. How are you? Hey, hey. hey. Um. Well, I, I just to I think I got a little on a little tangent when I was saying I think the ACC could still be good. Just to add, you know, bowl games, right? Like UConn still does not have bowl ties. Um, now again bowl ties only become relevant once you win six games, which, you know, UConn let's, let's show that maybe you have that, that or ability. Five games or Florida State. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, the bowl games and what, what shakes out with all that. Um, I, I do hope, I do think UConn can find its way into a bowl game as an independent, if it does win six games, even without a tie, um, because, if they think a fan base will go watch a football game or go visit a town to attend it, mm-hmm. they'll put it on. And um, lots of people are willing to make the bet that that happens, such as the nature of college football. We do not have too many bowls. We have just the right number. Uh, every bowl matters. And um, there's, there's always the possibility for UConn. That being said, you would like to have bowl tie-ins. Again, to whatever extent those will exist five years from now, who knows? Um, I do want to also just go back to an earlier point and and we can wrap up this wonderful podcast, but with respect to the timeline of independence, um, you know, I think it was interesting like to to think it was really more of a short-term thing than than I thought. I totally, you know, I think I said in the last podcast, it's, it's a good place to rehab the football program, make sure it doesn't spend a boatload of money going to visit a bunch of schools in Texas and the Midwest to go get its butt kicked and uh, not, not really get better Um, to uh, uh, find a path forward. Uh, But I did think it would take a little bit longer. So I do, I, I think what has happened recently is a big acceleration that's that's going at a pretty rapid pace. I'm very surprised to see this stuff coming out this offseason. 
um, all this stuff coming out this offseason. Who knows what happens with the ACC? They have a grant of rights. Um, you know, we will see. Um, but I, I think up until like very recently, I was thinking none of this conference realignment stuff meant a whole lot for UConn. And I'm starting to feel slightly different. Uh, and that's, that's all I'll kind of say uh, there. I'm kind of thinking that part of it is that, and I don't want to get too philosophical here, but I think the pandemic has led a lot of industries to just go totally, totally say, screw it and say, let's make as much money as we can. And in, in some places it's worked or quote unquote worked like, uh, like the, like live, like live golf. <laughs> and some places there's been a little backlash to it, like the European super league. Like but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's sort of, it, it's sort of been a, been a thing over recent years, just, just, uh, corp like companies and, and large industries saying, screw it. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to rip up everything. Just we're going to rip everything to make a couple more pennies. And I think that the college sports, it's the that consolidation we're seeing is part of that. Well, we've already seen something of a super conference in professional sports with the AL East that just happened to be accidental. Uh, I happen to think it's cool, but you know that's maybe maybe we'll wait and see whether uh, the entire top twenty five is SEC teams uh, before we make <laughs> any further judgments on that. Oh wow! What if we get a college football playoff that's four SEC teams? That is. <laughs> Totally feasible, right? <laughs> Feinbaum week on ESPN. <laughs> Here comes Paul Feinbaum. Oh man! I think that the SEC they, they'll they'll kind of they might say uh, screw everyone. We'll have our own college football football playoff. Name our own national champion, and then uh, the Big Ten in response, they're going to name their own national champion. Then we could potentially get something uh something like polls or some sort of <laughs> some sort of uh, newspaper deciding. Uh, huh. If that's the, the case, we might need to make something like a bowl championship system. Don't yeah, know how that'd that would work. That would be great. We could use some some statistics. Those are all in vogue. Something like that. Well, on on the positive note that we are constantly working in the lab to reinvent college football, uh, we will leave our listeners uh, with all of our juicy thoughts about conference realignment. Uh, Final predictions for UConn's resting place in five years. Luke. SEC, baby. <laughs> yeah. F they're going to have to move once all those cities are underwater. But that, that it's going to be the market. new – Connecticut's going to be the new southeast. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I, I think you're making some good points. I'll send them to David Benedict. Tucker, how about you? <laughs> Yankee Conference. Yankee going conference. back, back where we belong. We need to yeah. return. Return spelled with a V. <laughs> I think they're going to be in something called NCAA Division One C Northeast. <laughs> That's what I think is going to happen. You know, like uh, you know, like when you play, um, like if you played NCAA the video game. Which is, by the way, coming back, we're all very excited. And Backing up, Tyler Pumachan is QB number twelve. <laughs> QB number twelve. Nice. Um. But in that game, it, they used to have like regional one double A all star teams. That's basically like what I'm thinking of the configuration for um, this new division that UConn will be a part of with the uh, the middle tier of FC of FBS. 
the middle and bottom. We 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 like the whole as much of the hog as they will give us. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we'll take the middle and bottom of F, of FBS and um, sail away and start something new and try to make meaning out of it. So uh, we've we've tried it before, and I guess we'll just have to try it again. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening.